This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Invest Talk. This is Monday, December 17th, 2018, and we just have a couple more weeks before the end of the year and a little over one week until Christmas. And I'm Justin Klein, and I welcome you to Invest Talk, the weekday financial program that is one simple and clear objective and is to help you grow and protect your investments and of course we welcome your phone calls and questions at the same number as always 888-99 chart 888-992-4278 now the big tech stocks open mostly down on the nasdaq this morning the s&p and the dow were also down at the start of trading and we closed the day down even more so uh, we closed at the low. This is the lowest close on the S&P 500 for the year. Now we didn't quite get to where we were uh, intraday in February, but this this is the lowest close on the year. Uh, I believe the Dow or the S&P is now down about three or four percent on the year. Gasoline prices have dipped for 68 days in a row. Healthcare stocks are taking a big hit uh, as th- there's potential that they lose government subsidies with a new ruling called Obamacare that called Obamacare unconstitutional. Google is going to invest a billion dollars in New York City. They're building a new campus uh, there. And more than half of working Americans say they didn't get a wage raise in 2018. So even though unemployment rate is low, wage pressures are still pretty much subdued. Now, did you also see a shocking new report about uh, how harmful social media companies are? Uh, There's plenty of market news to talk about today, and we will get to that as well. Now, here's a headline that caught our attention today. U.S. student loan debt sets record doubling since the beginning of, since the last recession. So there's uh, something that continues to worry, I think, uh, our government and, and country as a whole. And there's a reason why college tuition is going up. It's because anybody can get a loan. That's why college tuition is going up. It's crazy that people aren't realizing this yet. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, let's get to a caller, and we're going to go to Ken in Texas. How you doing, Ken? All is well with me, Justin. Hey, Justin, I'm calling about Prudential Financial, and being an old baby okay. boomer, you know, uh, life insurance and annuities and all of that is, is something that a lot of seniors uh, get into, and annuities is what mm-hmm. I'm wondering, uh, you being in the business and And, um, you know, knowing kind of how a lot of retirees are looking, do you see many of them going to annuities now? Is that something that's still pushed hard and heavy? And do you think Prudential Financial would be a good play when things calm down because of the the investment uh, 
uh, I think they do a lot of 401k stuff, kind of like Merrill Lynch does with Walmart. I think mm-hmm. they carry a lot of 401k mm-hmm. business and then the annuities and life insurance and had they have some pretty good numbers from what I can tell. So what do you think, sir? Well, Prudential has been around a long, long time. Actually, my grandfather used to work for Prudential uh, four decades ago, three decades ago. So a long, long time. Uh, This stock is down about 35% from its 52-week high. PRU is the symbol. And you're right. They're uh, big businesses, life insurance, annuities. They also offer mutual funds, retirement products. They do administer some some, uh, 401ks and retirement uh, plans that are out there. Uh, So they're they're pretty decent size. Yields about 4.4%. Now, the big issue I have with uh, the, the, the plan or the the thesis that because markets are getting more volatile and more people are retiring, that people are going to go into annuities. The big problem I have with that, while that sounds good on its face, is the underlying regulatory backdrop. Are you familiar with the fiduciary rule, Ken? Yes. Okay. So the if you're familiar with that, you should know that the fiduciary rule is going to eliminate basically the commission-based practice of being an advisor, right? Or being a broker, okay? So, and most of the people who collect commissions and are quote-unquote financial advisors are selling annuity products. Why? Because they get the biggest commission out of them. Mutual funds, you get maybe four and a half, five percent. Annuities get upwards of 10, 12%. Uh, commission on those type of products. So that is going to go away as the regulatory environment intensifies towards the fiduciary rule and more people are going to be forced to become like us, RAAs, and put their clients ahead of their own interests. Whereas annuities, uh, variable annuities, uh, whole life policies, things like that are going to be a lot less attractive to sell. So I, I think that is one of the big reasons why these insurance companies are having big issues is because it, this is only going to get worse for them uh, and they're going to have to change their business model. Now, what I like about Prudential in relation to a lot of other insurance companies, like you said, is they have other businesses. It's They're not reliant on brokers selling their insurance products. Does that make sense, Ken? Yes. And, and do you think the fiduciary rule will actually go into effect? Because, you know, it, they've kind of balked on it now, haven't they? They did, but the SEC has backed it. Uh, the Almost all the big regulatory bodies have backed this rule in some form. Now, they all have their own... Uh, spin on it and in ways that you can I don't say get around it but uh, you you basically it's basically be very hard to be a, a broker and sell commission products uh, once this is finally passed and I do think it will eventually happen it's just a matter of when thanks for the call Ken now today's main talking point how well do you understand your 401k plan Obviously, Social Security will, won't likely cover all of your retirement expenses, so a well-managed retirement account like a 401k or a 403b should be on your to-do list to make sure that you are managing it correctly, so I'll look into that. Some other topics I have as well, I want to cover what I think is a monumental event. 
And that is the end of QE from either the Fed or the ECB, the two largest central banks in the world. That's coming up in two weeks. ECB is ending their bond buying program. And the Fed is going to announce interest rates movement, probably higher on Wednesday. But they're going to talk about the future. So what does that mean? What, where, where, uh, where are we now? Ten years from, ten years on, basically from the financial crisis, right? Ten years ago today, we were still in the midst of a financial crisis. So I want to talk about that. Also, the Robinhood checking account. Very interesting story that came out on Friday, and it basically started and ended on Friday, and it is just a really interesting story to discuss, and we're going to get to that. And then lastly, U.S. home builder sentiment hit a three-year low, and I think that will be very important to talk about as well, because most of you out there are homeowners or looking to buy a home, and certainly the housing market is important to our economy in general. So that's what's on my mind. That's what I want to discuss today on Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I invite you to check out our new online training experience. It's called Invest Talk Academy, and it is open now for you to sign up and get weekly lessons on all different investment topics to make sure you have the right information and the right frame of mind, which is exactly what I'll be speaking on today, or not today, this week in my Invest Talk Academy class. Now, after a quick one-minute break, I'll be back to look at the rising student loan debt levels balanced on the backs of our young people. But now I'm ready to take your questions. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. Twenty eighteen is almost finished. Over the holiday break, you may be able to find some quiet time, an opportunity to learn more about the diverse variety of investing programs offered by KPP Financial. Start exploring anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888 chart 888 Are we going to Nick? Nick in Hayward. How you doing, Nick? Hi, how are you, Justin? Great show. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for making the call. Thank you for listening. This, uh, You're looking at United Rentals? Yes, United Rental. Yeah, what's your thought about that? Uh, you think it's worth buying? Because it only went down like, 37 cents today with the market down so much, you know, so I was thinking, what do you think about it? Well, it went down 30, yeah, 39 cents, so it was definitely a modest day in relation to the overall market. Do you know what they do? They operate in the rental and leasing industry. It provides equipment on rent to construction and industrial companies, manufacturers, utility, utilities, municipalities, homeowners, and government entities. So they rent all types right. of uh, equipment to various entities. No dividend yield, uh, about an eight and a half billion dollar market cap. Revenue up twenty percent year over year. Earnings up forty six percent year over year. And it does look like it's trading 
relatively cheaply. Let me take a look a little bit deeper. Uh, you might see uh, if you're watching on our YouTube live stream that uh, I'm on Y charts uh, and I'm getting some uh, quick data here. The market cap's eight and a half billion, but their enterprise value is 18 billion, which uh, means they have about 10 billion in debt. Uh, so that's a lot yeah. of debt, but it's it's in the industry where they they have a lot of uh, capital equipment, right? They're buying equipment uh, that they're leasing out, and they're gonna have to keep on that on their balance sheet. Uh, so that's kind of understandable, right? Their operating earnings yield is twenty one point five. That's very high. That's very nice. Their free cash flow, however, is negative three hundred sixteen million dollars. I don't like that. No dividend. Uh, return equity is relatively high, but because that's because they have a little leverage on their balance sheet, return assets is eleven percent. Uh, I just don't like how it's in a very cyclical industry, so I don't like it. It's in a downtrend, just like the overall market. And I know it bucked it for one day, but its relative strength is ten. It's not like it's been bucking it for a while. It's one day where it kind of bucked the overall market a little bit. Uh, so no, I would not be buying United Rentals, especially in this market. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Nick. Let's go to Amit in San Jose, looking at United Health. Correct? Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question no is: problem. United Health and Anthem, these companies' stocks are doing pretty well so far, but are they now vulnerable, um, along with the weakness in the healthcare sector that you just mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. They'll, they're, they're, they're vulnerable. Uh, and then you obviously have the news recently about the potential for uh, Obamacare subsidies to be un, uh, ruled unconstitutional. Uh, obviously, that'll be uh, appealed and things like that. But uh, I, I think there is a lot of risk to United Health and a lot of these healthcare companies. So while they look you know, not too expensive, especially in the relation to revenues and earnings going up at a pretty steady clip uh i think that uh, you know there's a lot of risk that th this is going to be upended because simply obamacare hasn't worked for most people and you know it's worked for a lot of those that couldn't get insured and things but uh premiums continue to go up and whether you agree with uh you know that being justified for covering other people uh i just don't think long term that's sustainable so i would not be buying unh are you looking to short it or something i uh, know uh, i'm just thinking of buying but yeah thanks for your advice uh, I'll gotcha. yeah i would not own unh thanks for the call 888-99 chart have you visited investtalkacademy.com you should. It can help you learn to invest like a pro because it features online classes that can teach you how to grow your investments independently. And you can learn more at investtalkacademy.com. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We're about a half hour left in the show, so it's going to go by quick. So get your call in now. Now, let's say you're in college or maybe you have a child in college and you need to finance that education. And to do so, you need to shoulder a significant amount of debt. The big question is, when it's all said and done, will it be worth the financial commitment? 
So let's look, let's look at the rising debt level by the numbers. We found this story on Bloomberg.com. U.S. student loan debt has set a record doubling since the 2008 recession. The dollar value of the debt has reached $1.465 trillion. Yes, trillion with a T. So what's the big problem? Well, this debt load is raising fiscal risks because there is a substantial fear that a good amount of these loans will not be repaid. Over 90% of student loans are guaranteed by the U.S. government, U.S. Department of Education, meaning we're on the hook as a country to pay for these loans. And it can be burdensome for the U.S. government budget. U.S. student loans taken in 2012 have spiked to the second highest default rate on record. So they took out the loans in 2012, and now they're somewhere in the neighborhood of their mid-20s uh, to early 30s, an age where many are generally established themselves in their careers, but they just can't pay their loans. You know, they entered the labor force when the unemployment rate was twice what it was it is today almost. Over 2.7 million borrowers owe in excess of $100,000. And 700,000 of them owe over $200,000. Now, that might be because they were doctors. But the bottom line is, it's an unsustainable situation. And it shocks me that it hasn't been solved yet. Uh, and it's clear, clear, clear why it's happening. Because they give loans to anybody. What happened last time we gave loans to anybody? That was in the mortgage market. Now, there were assets underlying mortgages. And there are probably, I would argue, a better asset underlying these loans, which is education, if they're getting educated at quality institutions. But the bottom line is, we shouldn't be in this situation. It is a government problem that has created this massive amount of debt. Just like it was a government problem, Fannie and Freddie, that created the mortgage crisis, along with loose Fed policy. So today's market volatility makes it plain that it takes plenty of persistent discipline to build a strong investment portfolio to fund your goals, your retirement, your savings, and to pay off loans as well. So when you get to the point where you realize that you would benefit from professional, hopefully unbiased guidance, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at KPP Financial. You can call our Dana Point office or send us a message through investtalk.com. We're going to go to a voicemail. Hey, Stephen Justin, I'm um, a new time investor. Listen to your podcast and uh, I think it's really informative and I enjoy it. I have a question on a stock I've been watching, TVIX. It's a velocity shares daily, 2X. Seems to have like a, an inverted relationship with the market. It seems every time the market does bad, uh, these, these shares go up. Could you explain to me uh, what the relationship of this, uh, this share is and, and whether or not it's, it's worth buying? Thank you. Okay, so this is TVIX. This is 
an exchange-traded fund following twice the performance of the S&P 500 VIX short-term futures index. So the VIX is the volatility index. The volatility index measures the amount of puts and calls that are being written on the market, in this case, the S&P 500. When this rises, when the VIX rises, which typically is when the market is doing poorly, this will also go up twice the amount. The problem is, in between that, when the VIX doesn't go anywhere, there's cost to run this and uh, roll. They use derivatives to roll this, uh, to, to make this bet. And occasionally, when things get hairy, this can go up a lot, very fast in a short period of time. But when things aren't going crazy, this is going to go down, and it's going to consistently go down, and it has. If you look on a price-adjusted uh, basis, in 2014, this was at $200,000 a share. Or they do reverse splits, and you need to educate yourself on what that is. So right now, it's at $59.10, so you can see how much it eviscerates capital over time. Now, can you use it for a very short period of time, say a, a couple days, a week, maybe two weeks, sure. If you know what you're doing, if you understand technicals, if you understand where the market is likely headed, yes, you can use it. But it's and it, it's a trading vehicle only, solamente. It's all you want to use it for. It's not a buy and hold instrument, okay? Hope that clarifies. And that goes with any leveraged instrument. All right. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions now at 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm, that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk, Apple has lost nearly one third of its value since October of this year. According to one market technician, Apple shares could fall another 10% before stabilizing. That story is tomorrow, and Steve will get to that. But today's main talking point is how well do you understand your 401k plan? Clearly, Social Security won't pay for all of your retirement expenses, so you need to have a well-managed retirement account, and it could 
be a 401k, a 403b, some sort of retirement plan. And likely your employer is going to offer that to you. And it's going to be a very important relationship. And, you know, in today's business world, you're probably going to have multiple ones. But uh, what you want to do is you want to make sure, first off, you understand the investment choices that are available. And that could be like, it's likely going to be a group of mutual funds. The simplest thing would be a targeted fund, but it's likely not going to be your best option. But it's the simplest option. Uh... You have to understand the fees of not only the plan as a whole, but individual funds in it. And how much is your employer matching? And you need to make sure you get that full match. You also need to understand how long you must work before you can participate. Many companies have that. You have to work there, say, 90 days. And when you are eligible to receive employer contributions, sometimes that's up to a year before they'll match. Then you need to know who the provider of your plan is. Understand that too. There are many providers. The caller called earlier about Prudential, right? They're the provider of the plan. Might be John Hancock. It might be Fidelity. There are many. It might be the Standard. It might be. Uh, there's dozens and dozens of them out there. But understand that just because it's administered by a particular company doesn't mean that your plan is the same as another plan that they administer. They can vary drastically, or they could be the same, but most of the time they're going to differ. So say your 401k is administered by by Prudential, let's say, and your wife's is also administered by Prudential, the odds are very high that they're going to be different plans with different options, different fees, different setups. Also, employers generally don't offer advice, but the provider credential in this case, would be the ones to give you some advice. Now, typically that's just trying to get you to understand what the difference between a large cap value fund versus a small cap growth fund is. But it's not going to tell you what, how to invest. That's one of the reasons why we have active 401k because it helps people figure out how to invest their 401k. And that's your role. Your two primary decisions are how much to contribute and how to invest that money inside your 401k or your 43 whatever retirement account you might have TSP etc now then how much should you save most experts say 15% of your gross income now that might be less if you're really young and you're you're starting out earlier than most or it might be more if you're older and you just need to catch up okay So retirement plans aren't just a place to save money. You need to take full advantage of the educational tools that can help you become a smarter saver, smarter investor. So don't overlook those features. For them, Fidelity has retirement calculators, educational resources, workshops, videos, all those type of things. So take advantage of that, and that's becoming a bigger slice of what these providers are offering. So make sure you take advantage of it. And since you're listening to the show, you're probably one that would be interested in something like that. Now let's grab a quick question from a caller that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. 
Hi, how's it going? I got a question for you. I keep hearing a lot of financial podcasters talking about how an IRA, a traditional IRA versus Roth IRA, and they keep mentioning tax-free growth. They keep saying tax-free growth for Roth. I'm kind of confused by that because I was under the impression that the IRA, Roth IRA, and 401k is the government-sponsored type accounts were, the point of them were that they had tax-free growth, and the difference was that you had to pay income tax on non-Roth versus Roth, not capital gains tax. So maybe I'm misunderstanding something. Uh, if that's the case, great. But if not, uh, by all means, I'd like to try to understand what I'm missing and what people mean when they say tax-free growth in a Roth. Thanks. Bye. All right. Uh, the simple answer is that once you put money into an IRA of either a regular or a Roth, is as that money is invested and grown over time, you don't have tax consequences for any gains on that money during the interim. Now, in a Roth, you're taxed when you put the money in, meaning you can't write that contribution off on your taxes. But when you take it out at the very end, you're also not taxed either. So with a Roth, you pay that tax on that money you earned up front, right? Because it's part of your income tax just money you you have and earned and pay tax on. And then you grow that money throughout time and you don't have any tax consequences. Hope that simplifies it. An IRA, you write that money off. So you put 5000 in a regular IRA. That comes off your adjusted gross income. And you can still grow that money tax-free until you take it out. Then it's taxable as income based on your income tax rate at that time. Hopefully that simplifies the difference and what it means by tax-free growth because the growth is not taxed. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live at the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. And it's also available 24-7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And take a quick second to rate and review. And now the lines are open. We are taking your finance and investing questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. 2018 is almost over, and if you're unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. What do you guys think about Google right now or Alphabet? Had them on my watch list. Looks like they've corrected pretty well. And going into next year forward earnings, I'm showing on uh, FinViz. They're going to drop from about a 39 PE to a 21 with still high earnings growth. Uh, across the board, sales growth. I'll listen to the podcast. Look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thank you. 
All right, he's looking at Google. I don't think I need to explain to anyone who Google is or what they do. One thing I like about Google is they have no debt, very little debt. Revenues up 21% year over year, and that's pretty, pretty consistent. Earnings up about 24% year over year last quarter. Also relatively consistent over the last couple of years. Earnings this year total is just to grow 16%, 13% next year. No dividend. Uh, $713 billion market cap. I like that. Uh, the problem with Google is twofold. It's an advertising platform, right? It's an advertising platform and it's going to be cyclical. I know more people are going to invest or sorry, advertise online and that's uh, a secular trend and this is a great company in a great place secularly, meaning more people are using YouTube and Google uh, and advertising on YouTube and Google and all of uh, Google other uh, platforms as well, except for Google Plus, which they got rid of, thankfully. Uh, but it's uh, certainly a great company. And of all the FANG stocks, the FANG stocks, uh, I, I like them long term more than any, uh, even Apple. Uh, we owned Apple for many of our accounts. We like Apple. Uh, Apple's a better valuation here. Uh, but I really think Google has some great secular trend, uh, trends, tailwinds when it comes to their business model. Now, enterprise value to EVA is 15, which is getting to the cheaper side. I don't love it. I don't think it's like uh, a bargain at these prices. Uh, but to me, the main thing with Google right now and any tech company is tech is just not the place to be. And I've been saying this for pretty much this entire quarter. Tech is not the place to be right now. And it continues in a downtrend, down another 2.5% today, uh, worse than the overall market. The SP was down about 2%. Uh, so I like that it's on your watch list. It should be on everyone's watch list because it is a very, very solid company. And I do like Google long term, but I don't think it's cheap enough yet. I think it needs to get down to kind of with 2012, it had enterprise value to, to EBITDA of about 10. If you're looking on our YouTube live stream, you'll see my Y charts up. And that's a, that's, that's a reasonable valuation, somewhere around that 10 times EBITDA enterprise value to EBITDA, and that means that it's still about 25 to 30% overvalued. So I could see easily seeing this get back to uh, probably around 800, somewhere in there. Now it's at 1,025, G-O-O-G-L, uh, and that's where I would be picking up Google, around $800 a share, 750, somewhere in there, but not yet, and definitely in a better time for tech. So, um, I like Google long-term, but hold off, keep it on your watch list, look for the $800 number. Let's talk about the Fed. We have the Fed meeting starting tomorrow and the announcement on Wednesday. And it is going to be a very important Fed announcement for a couple reasons. One is we are now in a time where for the first time since the financial crisis, Central banks globally are no longer printing money. Net, right? They're reducing their balance sheet more than expanding their balance sheets. And that will be especially true once the new year hits, when the ECB completely stops their bond buying program. They got about two weeks left. Okay. So 
This is one of the big reasons why the market's having problems. This is the main reason the market's having problems. Okay? So understand that. You're going to get headlines about the trade war, and the trade war definitely doesn't help when it comes to economic activity. But what is most important, the economic cycle is the credit cycle. Right now, and this is on the front page of the Financial Times today, there have been zero high-yield bond, junk bond issuance in the month of December. And that if that holds true for the rest of the month, that will be the first time since November 2008 that there was no issuance of any high-yield debt. And that was a time when the credit markets were, were pretty much frozen. They were, they were broken, right? And this is what is the main driver of the market going down. The Fed, central banks, globally, are no longer printing money. So credit is not flowing as easily. This is the cause of this downdraft in the market and the cause of the coming bear market. Right, We're almost at a bear market in the Russell. We're at 19% plus, I think, on the uh, from its highs. And what the Fed says, they know we know they're going to raise rates on Wednesday. There's almost no doubt about that. Even with this market swoon, they're going to raise rates because I think it would send a more dire signal to the markets if they backed off than if they went ahead. Right? They would it would show that the Fed was very very worried and that would spread to the market. So the Fed's going to raise rates, but what are they going to say for 2019? Previously, they've been guiding to three rate hikes next year. They're not going to raise three times next year. I would put almost my life on it. But are they going to raise twice? Are they going to raise once? And what are they going to guide to, right? Meaning, what are the dot plots going to say? Are they going to indicate that Fed officials still, while you know three is probably not on the table, they still want to try to get off two hikes? And I think that's possible. I actually think what's more likely is it'll be split between one and two. Right, you have eleven uh, governors that are going to give their projections. Some will be at two, some will be at one. Maybe a handful will be at none. Uh, but in general, it will be a very dovish signaling uh, for 2019, and that could rally the market, saying the Fed is done. This is the last time, and I honestly think this is a very good chance to be the last rate hike of this rate hike cycle. I really do. So the Fed so far right now, they're, they're not only raising rates, but they're also letting about $50 billion in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities mature, I mean, roll off their balance sheet. And that has shrunk their balance sheet. And a lot of economists are projecting them to stop that roll-off next year, latter, latter part of the year. And even Jeremy Powell has talked about it. So... Not only will the Fed pause their rate hiking cycle in 2019, but they also pause their quantitative tightening. And I think that is going to be necessary probably more earlier in the year rather than later in the year. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Our Monday show is wrapping up, but we still have about 10 minutes in the program to talk with you. 
We keep our listener anytime listener line open around the clock so you can call now or later and leave your investment question. But at the moment, I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, Apple has lost nearly one-third of its value since October. According to one market technician, Apple shares could fall another 10%. That story tomorrow. But now, Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, it's Carl from Philadelphia. Do you think now is a good entry point uh, for PayPal at around 85, symbol PYPL? That's Peter Yellow, Peter Larry. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, is it a tech stock? Yeah, pretty much it is. Uh, no, it is not a, a good entry point for PayPal. Uh, I like their, their their business in general. I use Venmo, which uh, is a very popular app to move money around. And they don't pay a dividend. About a $99 billion market cap. Yep, $99 billion. So, uh, did about, let's call it $14 billion in sales over the trailing 12 months. You know, it's just an expensive company. Enterprise value is 25. Uh, their 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 revenue growth is slowing to a degree. Uh, you know, I just don't think it's a good time to be in a name like PayPal. I like that they don't have any debt. They have net cash on their balance sheet, uh, but it's a name that I would be trying to get out of, diversify away from, as opposed to move into. So uh, I would not be owning. PayPal. And speaking of fintech, which, you know, PayPal is kind of fintech, especially when it comes to Venmo. Let's talk a little about Robinhood. Everyone knows about the Robinhood app, uh, free trading. And just FYI, when it comes to their trading platform, if you don't, if you just have a little bit of money, it's not bad, but they sell your order flow to high frequency traders. So your fills are not going to be that great and you're going to lose money on the fills that you get when you do make trades. Uh, but if you have a small amount, you might only lose you know, 10, 20, 30 cents here and there. But if you have a lot of money, say $100,000 or more, then the fill uh, cost or the, the poor fills that you will get, when I say fill, meaning when you put an order in, uh, you get a worse price than you would at say uh, TD Ameritrade, who we use, or Fidelity, etc. Right uh, now, when it comes to their announcement on Friday, I thought it was hilarious because they announced that they were had the robbing Robinhood checking and savings account. It's a new product. And it would allow anyone to open a deposit account with no fee ATM access, a debit card, insurance from the SIPC, and 3% interest rate on your cash. Now, Robinhood is not a bank, but it is a broker and it is insured. Money in the, those accounts are insured by the SIPC. However, the SIPC came out and said, and SAPC stands for the Securities Investor Protection Corp. They said that it was not insured. Money that was used in these accounts 
for deposit as deposits or a checking account or savings account is not covered by their insurance. It's money that is being held for the purchase of securities, not for writing checks or taking money out of an ATM. And what the S the SIPC did was they reported Robinhood to the SEC. The very same day they announced this quote unquote product. And by Friday evening, they backtracked completely. They announced on their website that the product is gone and it contains some very slightly chass, uh, uh, some a uh, letter from our from the founders is basically what they're calling it, walking back the whole entire thing, and this is a pure fintech story. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it was stamped out very fast by the regulators because regulators are on top of these things, and it just goes to show you that a lot of tech in general. They just go and they move, and sometimes that's good, and they they innovate in a, in a very great way. But other times, like Theranos, for example, they just move and they don't think about the consequences, and they kind of fake it till they make it, in a lot of ways as well. So this is a really really interesting story, and it just shows you that if it's too good to be true, it likely is. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program, and I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Christmas Eve is one week away from tonight, so get your shopping finished. Hope you all have a great holiday season. Thanks for listening. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.